2: Welcome in podcast listeners appreciate all of you want you to listen to me right off the top here go give us five stars Danny G is going to be reading five star reviews on Wednesday and Thursday I'm going to make sure we get to them both days and if you get a five star review you get a prize package from Outkick listen to see whether or not your five star review happens and uh, as if that were not enough double header in Monday Night Football we break down the NFL week four action for you We've got a loaded show Uh, for you all to break down. Jason Whitlock joins us. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle and Petros Papadakis. All of that and more. Make sure you don't miss a minute. Thanks for making this podcast so wildly successful. I love all of you. And the podcast begins now. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
1: Now let's get this party
2: started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. My wife is crazy about Halloween. We have got so many decorations all throughout the house and I've talked about this a little bit on the show, but I'm up so early in the morning moving around the house, it's still pitch black outside, and we have a lot of those like figures that are scary, like skeletons or witches or whatever else, and some of them even are motion sensor, and so I will be coming around the corner, and I legitimately, like my heart almost stopped because I think, not that there's necessarily a witch in my house, But just that there's somebody there, and then every now and then they move, and it's doubly terrifying. So uh, I am ready for Halloween to be here. And it seems like, at least as a positive, it seems like most places are going to allow kids to trick-or-treat, which is uh, at least a positive. I'm sure some of you are listening, and you're like, oh, nobody's trick-or-treating in my state. Nobody's trick." Yeah, most people, I think, are going to have their kids be able to trick-or-treat, although who knows what's going on in California. I saw last night, like the, the, the California has now said, hey, if you're out to eat at a restaurant, you need to put your mask on between bites. And I just, I lose, I mean, all this is just so ridiculous. But positive. We got to watch Patrick Mahomes play, and we got to watch Aaron Rodgers play in back-to-back Monday night football games. And to me, the biggest takeaway in general is that the Kansas City Chiefs have become effectively, the New England Patriots. And let me explain what I mean by that. The Chiefs now are deciding when to give full effort like the Patriots did for years and years. You know how the Patriots would kind of slink into September and then they would slowly move into October and then by November and December, they were playing at a really high level. I feel like the Chiefs know that they're the best football team in the entirety of the NFL And when they're going up against a team that they feel like is a legitimate challenger, they come out from the start and try to send a message. And that's what we saw Patrick Mahomes and company do on the road against the Ravens. But as soon as Cam Newton was not playing, it was like the Chiefs really recognized that they had this game in the bag. And I understand that you never know what's going to happen in the NFL, the whole any given Sunday cliche exists for a reason but there was not a lot of intensity it didn't seem to me in this Chiefs game against the Patriots it felt eerily similar to what we saw against the Chargers and what I mean by that is they you know Chris Jones didn't play do they sit Chris Jones if Cam is playing I really doubt that And we all got cheated because Cam is not going to be playing. And by the way, positive for the Patriots. Nobody else has tested positive. They tested all the players again after the game. Nobody's tested positive. And maybe it's going to be a one-man outbreak for the New England Patriots. But unfortunately for the Patriots, it's the most important guy on the entire team that Cam wasn't there. And... You really can just go look at what happened in this game and it felt like there was a big drop-off from Cam to Brian Hoyer to Jarrett Stidham. And in particular, this is a very non-Patriots-like game and performance in general. And there were three different little situations that I flagged as I was watching the game. First of all, Brian Hoyer gets sacked at the end of the first half and cost the Patriots three points. They didn't have any timeouts left. He got sacked. He, even when he got sacked, looked like he wasn't sure whether they had any timeouts left. That's a quintessentially unpatriot like play. And you could see Belichick was furious. I halfway expected for Belichick to Darth Vader choke Brian Hoyer to death at half, and then they just come back out with Jared Stidham, and everybody's like, what happened to Brian Hoyer? And everybody's like, oh, well, Belichick put the hoodie on and he just choked Brian Hoyer to death, you know, like just lifted him up, you know, with his hand and sort of squeezed it like Darth Vader used to. He didn't even need to pick him up himself, right? If you're an old school Star Wars fan, that's kind of the way I picture Belichick and Saban always dealing with teams that they aren't pleased by uh, and players at the half. But so that play happens which is quintessentially non-normal behavior for the Patriots to be able to do, first of all. Second play that happens, which is just completely not like the Patriots at all, the red zone fumble by Hoyer when he had no chance to make a play there. So Hoyer cost them, at a minimum, six points on those two plays. And then finally, Belichick's fed up with Hoyer he brings in Jared Stidham. Stidham throws his first touchdown pass. We think, oh, maybe we're gonna have a game after all. And then uh, the, the the Chiefs go up 19 to 10, and Stidham tries to throw a little pass to Julian Edelman, goes through his hands. Gets caught by the Honey Badger. The game's basically over at that point in time. But those are three self-inflicted wounds from the Patriots. The sack at the end of the half that allows the half to run out and cost them three points. The red zone fumble and then the pick six on Julian Edelman. None of those usually happen. And then later you had uh, you had Jared Stidham throw another interception in the end zone, but at that point the game was already decided, and he was just trying to make a play. To me, all of those plays are quintessential not Patriot like. Now, one big part of uh, of the decision making first half, the Patriots weren't helped by a disastrous call where they took away a uh, interception from Patrick Mahomes and said basically that his forward progress had stopped. I was watching this game. It was a blown call of an epic magnitude, and a lot of people were wondering why didn't Belichick go out and make the decision to uh, to try to challenge it. The reality was Belichick was told that he couldn't challenge it. Some people watching, and certainly it felt that way with Tony Romo and Jim Nance calling it, it felt like maybe Belichick was frustrated that they had stopped the forward progress, blown the whistle on the interception and not allowed his player to return it. In reality, Belichick didn't have an opportunity to actually challenge it. But it just felt like a quintessentially non-Patriot performance in general. The end uh, takeaway and the end result is that the Chiefs got to 4-0. And I think the Chiefs are unquestionably the best team in the entirety of the NFL. The other game that went on Aaron Rodgers just did Aaron Rodgers things. He's got top receivers out, uh, and it doesn't even matter. They break out a brand-new star at tight end. This Packer team feels like, right now, they are the best in the NFC. I thought last night on Monday Night Football, we got an early read on what I think would have to be the favorite for the Super Bowl matchup right now. I think there's a good chance the Chiefs are going to win the AFC – and I think right now there's a very good chance the Packers are going to win the NFC. And if that happens, we'll see them meet in the Super Bowl, and that would be a whale of a matchup. Whether or not Aaron Rodgers ever gets that second Super Bowl, it feels like a long time ago now that they went and drafted Jordan Love. And uh, as we continue to uh, to work through, it feels like the Chiefs are the unquestionably best team in the AFC And it feels like the Packers are the unquestionably best team. Maybe the Seahawks a little bit on the outside looking in. Maybe the Bills a little bit on the outside looking in. But it feels like those are the four best teams in the NFL right now. When we come back, Jason Whitlock is going to join us. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
0: People at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto. Do it yourself, and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash two pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash two pros. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with the Seven every weekday. So follow the Seven right now. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs)
2: Welcome back in. Appreciate all of you. We had the doubleheader Monday Night Football action, able to hang out and watch and see what exactly was going on there. And a big part of that doubleheader action was Jason Whitlock's Kansas City Chiefs, who didn't look particularly good, but as we talked about in the open of the show... Very non-Patriots-like performance. And maybe you can partly put it on not having Cam Newton, but you had Brian Hoyer take a sack at the half, as we were talking about, a red zone fumble by Hoyer. Then the pick six, which was kind of tough luck, but Julian Edelman just let the ball go right through his hands. Um, What did you think about the performance, Jason Whitlock? How would you assess both Chiefs and Patriots based on what you saw Monday Night Football-wise?
1: I think what ended up hurting... Uh, the Patriots more than anything was uh, flying into Kansas City the day of the game. It's crazy. Uh, And so I, I think that put them at a severe disadvantage. And, you know, when when early in the game, first quarter, second quarter, when Belichick didn't challenge uh, the oh, fumble or interception yeah. or whatever, he got frustrated, I think, kind of got out of sorts and didn't challenge that. And so I, I just think the whole situation, I'm sure, uh, Cam with COVID, then the delay of the game. Are we playing on Monday? Are we playing on Tuesday? I think one of the most underreported or even discussed issue is how did Cam get COVID, and basically no one else on the Patriots did. And I just imagine that's caused some frustration for Belichick. Maybe. Okay. 1,000% speculation. Maybe Cam caught it, you know, accident. but maybe he broke protocol. I don't know. Uh, but Belichick just seemed out of sorts and frustrated and so did his team. And then the, the Chiefs just... Uh, Patrick Mahomes continues. That he's he's played well, but he keeps getting away with balls that should be intercepted. Uh, and so I did, the Chiefs were sloppy, but the, the Patriots were certainly out of sorts and didn't get very good quarterback play from either Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham.
2: It's a good point about Belichick bungling the clear. I think it was an interception. I mean, the ball you know got picked off, and he seemed like he was upset that they had blown the whistle and wasn't aware that they had not even uh, ruled it to be a turnover. But you never see him make an error like that. And maybe you're right. Maybe he was just out of sorts, traveling in on the day of the game. This is totally a non-traditional way to to do a game. But you know, Brian Hoyer, a veteran quarterback like that, to be taken a sack at the end of the first half had to drive Belichick crazy and then turning the ball over again on a third down play I think it was third and goal type situation it was just a very non Patriots like performance because you know as well as I do Jason like the Patriots typically are like an anaconda they just slowly kind of suffocate the team that they play against and allow their mistakes to be the reason why those teams don't uh, win which is why the Patriots mantra has been do your job." Now couple of different – we've got a ton of different stories to get into, but I want to oh, – Hold for them.
1: one second, though. I, yeah. i I'm, I'm before you just run off. I mean, I just want you to think about what's going on with the Patriots in terms of the Buffalo Bills look like a monster. Josh yes. Allen looks like a monster. They're 4-0. and And, uh, again, I just – I want to hear some sort of explanation or some kind of just story on – How did Cam get COVID? No one's talking about this. It just seems like when someone catches COVID, we hear, oh, he was – at some place and with uh, people and they seem to be able to trace where it come, where it came from and there's been virtually no discussion of this as it relates to Cam Newton and, and I just find that kind of interesting and baffling and so here's Belichick trying to prove he's still the man after Tom Brady. The bills are rolling. He's now having to run Brian Hoyer and Jerry Stidham out on the field. He knew that wasn't going to be pretty and then this whole schedule gets turned upside down, you know, again, because of basically, primarily Cam, Uh, I just, I can't, Belichick's level of frustration had to be the highest it's probably ever been for a regular season game in his career, and it just created an S show, but uh, do you not find it fascinating, like, we've heard nothing about how Cam got covid it's
2: interesting, but you know we're here in Nashville, and I don't know what the total number is. I think it's like 18 players, coaches have tested positive in Nashville, and nobody's really talked about how the initial outbreak started in Nashville. I think it was with uh, one of the assistant coaches, and so I just presume that they don't really know. Uh, the thing that's kind of surprising to me is that the Titans end up with like 18 people testing positive, And then I think the Falcons had a player test positive and nobody else tested positive on the team. And at least so far for the Patriots, nobody has tested positive for them as well. So uh, that's A.J. Terrell, I think, is the cornerback who was on uh, the, the Falcons that is out. And uh, and nobody else tested positive with the Falcons. The one that stands out to me even more than Cam is like, wait a minute, how do the Titans have like 18 people testing positive And these other teams, even the ones that have had a, a random positive guy, have had almost nothing else positive happening. Now, maybe it's partly because of the way the testing you know happened like the guy tested positive and then they'd already traveled or they i I don't know but i don't it doesn't really surprise me about cam because nobody seems to know how aj terrell got it for the atlanta falcons and nobody seems to be able to explain why the titans have had an outbreak that's more significant than any other team in the nfl by far so i haven't the only difference i
1: want to say is I don't think anyone cares how AJ Terrell got it. I don't think anyone cares. <laughs> well, he's about not the, the
2: leader fight. of the team. That's that that that's
1: correct. Well, and just cams just such a big part of the NFL brand. So fascinating. Again, for for the NFL, it's almost like Trump. I'm sure there's a full investigation going on. I mean, it's the president obviously of, you know, how Trump got COVID or whatever, but I just kind of expected there to be some sort of conversation someone asking questions you know do we know where cam man it's I've true
2: we back. haven't had much of a discussion about that at all yeah. at least so far uh, that's a good point now speaking of belichick's former uh compatriot tom brady a couple of weeks ago you had my man brady in the glue factory you said he was in football hospice uh no hope for him <laughs> I watched him Whitlock. I won some money. I took the bucks at six and a half, and I watched him throw five touchdown passes to five different receivers for the first time in his career. I watched him in the final twenty passes against the uh the uh, Chargers come back from a twenty-four to seven deficit. He had a perfect passer rating. Are you willing to upgrade him no. and say maybe his condition was not, in fact, football terminal?
1: Well, listen, he's playing better. Uh, you know, I, I got to back off a little bit because I really did like the way the ball came out of his hands this Sunday. Look sharp, didn't it? Yeah, but I just, I just want to add, the Chargers were down ten starters. Yeah, uh, the Chargers led twenty-four to seven. That game could have been a nightmare, but eventually, just all the injuries and upheaval with the Chargers caught up with them let's just don't kid ourselves. The, the Buccaneers, to me, nice little 3-1 record, but they've beaten the Chargers team depleted by injuries. They beat Jeff Driscoll, quarterback for the Denver Broncos, and they beat a rookie coach, Matt Rule, with his first-year quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, and the Carolina Panthers. I, I, I have not – I've expected better – and more from the Buccaneers. I've watched all of their games. I'm fascinated by what Brady's doing. I did. I'm t- I love the way he threw the ball on Sunday. I, I will admit that he looked sharper. But I, overall, I haven't been as impressed with the Buccaneers. I, I, you know, I said today or yesterday in my NFL Truths column, I'm not sure the Buccaneers if they've proven to me that they're any better than the Minnesota Vikings at this point, and The Vikings are one and three.
2: What do you think about Bill O'Brien getting fired? Did it surprise you, the timing on it? I mean, I, I said before this, see, I don't get a lot right in terms of predictions, but I said I thought that the Texans would start, because it's hard to predict in the NFL every year. I said I thought the Texans would start 1-6 and six or 2-5 and five, and that Bill O'Brien would be on the hottest seat in the NFL. But even I was a little bit surprised. We're going to talk with John McClain later who broke the news. But even I was a little bit surprised that they went ahead and pulled bad, pulled the John trigger McClain. here. Yep.
1: I'm just, there was at the end of the game, and I wrote about this again on Monday. I saw it, end, yeah. Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and just look at his body language at the end of that game after they overrule that touchdown catch. He's smiling, congratulating uh, the Vikings defensive players. And, and I said it, I was like, oh, man, this dude can't wait for Bill O'Brien to get fired. Uh he's, you know, he got paid this off season. He doesn't he clearly doesn't seem to be all that upset about being 0 and 4 and already out of it. Uh I I just it doesn't surprise me. I think they had to, to make that move, Bill O'Brien's been in over, over his head. You know, couldn't get along with DeAndre Hopkins. Who knows? Maybe Bill O'Brien was right about Andre Hopkins, but then gave up the farm for Laramie Tunstall, uh, an offensive tackle. He was a pretty good player, but you know, he made some win-now moves, and the Texans aren't a, aren't a team that's winning right now, and he needed to be fired.
2: We're talking to Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason you can go read him at Outkick you can follow along with him uh so many I different I got one places. for you
1: on the Bill O'Brien deal. Yeah, hit uh, me. I got an idea for if 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 I were the NFL and the Kansas City Chiefs I would let Eric Bianami go be the head coach of the Houston Texans right now.
2: In the middle of the season.
1: Yeah. I if 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 I were Andy Reid, Clark Hunt, Paul Tag, I mean, Paul Tang- uh Roger Goodell. I would. Uh, I get, they look. We're in this year of Black Lives Matters. Blah blah blah. Everybody is convinced that all Monday night, uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo tried to sell us Eric B. as a head coach. I'd let this guy go be the head coach right now. He basically could oversee and monitor them this year, evaluate uh through the rest of the season. I think it'd be a good look for the NFL, I think it'd be a good look for Andy Reid and the Chiefs. And it's it's in this year, in this unique year I would try to make that happen sooner rather than later.
2: He's going to get a head job. I think it's very likely, Eric B. Enemy is, because there's going to be a bunch of guys get fired. i got to be honest with you. I thought maybe because of the COVID situation that guys were going to get more of an opportunity mm-hmm. in terms of you're going to have to be really, really bad to get fired. But once they start to let guys go, and you know, like it's like nobody wants to be the first job to get fired, but everybody wants to be first in line to be able to get their next coach and I think there are a lot of people that should be pretty nervous around the NFL right now because that first NFL firing and you've seen it happen a ton once that first firing happens same thing happens in college football where everybody wanted, wants to get in line to be uh at the front to you get your first round pick as to who your coach is going to be and now you know to be fair the Houston Texans have a little bit of time to be able to make a decision and uh, and I think they kind of got to the to the front of the line now you mentioned Something that I think is one of the biggest stories in the NFL so far. Josh Allen, you had in your column what I thought was a good line. I'm not sure who the best quarterback is from that draft class uh, that included Baker Mayfield, that included Josh Rosen, that included Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Sam Darnold and Sam Darnold but I'm sure you said there were five quarterbacks that went in the first round you said I'm sure that it's not Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold I think we can toss Josh Rosen out as well that the battle could end up being between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson over who is going to be the best quarterback in that uh, in that conference sorry in that draft and I do think that's a really interesting debate now.
1: Yeah, I think there are some people that are already in on Josh Allen just because, you know, he's more of a traditional passer. And, look, there were some knocks on Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming. Oh, he's not accurate. Well, he's completing 71% of his passes. Uh, And he's got 12 TDs and one interception. He's now rushed for three TDs four games into the season. It's clear as day. Other than Russell Wilson, he's the MVP. Aaron Rodgers, I guess, is obviously is in that conversation as well. But but Josh Allen is number two behind Russell Wilson right now this year. And I think when this season's over. Uh, you know, Lamar, it's been great, Lamar's got an MVP but he's got two dud performances in the postseason and so at the end of this year some people may be able to legitimately make the argument that he's actually better than Lamar Jackson and that's, you know, after Lamar Jackson had, you know, what I call one of the most incredible seasons I think we've ever seen, 1,200 yards rushing you know, all, you know, 3,500 yards passing last year clear MVP a year ago but, but a little bit Of the shine is off of Lamar because of the playoff duds. And he's, you know, I think seven TDs, one interception this year, just one rushing TD. He's off to a bit of a slow start. And
2: the thing about Josh Allen that's interesting is everybody was ripping him, including me, early in his career because he was more of a runner than he was a passer. And the Bills seem to be winning. And all the Bills fans listening to this right now know it's true because Sean McDermott had built a really good defense there. And then all of a sudden, they went and got Stephon Diggs. I know they've made additions on the offensive side, but it's as if the light bulb has come on starting down the stretch last season and now through four games now. I think, Whitlock, there's a strong argument that the Bills are right now the second best team in the AFC behind the Chiefs. And look, the Chiefs haven't played. They played fantastically well against the Ravens. They were just okay last night. They were just okay against the Chargers. I think the the Chiefs feel like they have a switch they can flip and take their game to the next level when they feel challenged. And they're not really feeling challenged right now as soon as Cam wasn't playing. I think it's hard for them to feel like, oh, this is going to be a big-time difficult game. But Josh Allen could be, and the Bills could be, the second-best team in the AFC right now.
1: They could be kryptonite for... The Kansas City Chiefs. Look, uh, look what Belichick did last night. They did a good job of controlling that Chiefs offense. You know, dropping eight people into coverage. You got to remember, Ty- Tyron Matthew had a pick six. So, you know, the Chiefs offense—they scored twenty-six points. The Chiefs yeah. offense wasn't incredible last night. They contained that offense and very much. You, they had one know,
2: really good drive. Uh, what was it late in the third quarter, going into the fourth, where they got a little bit of hot momentum them and seemed like they were rolling pretty well but you're right otherwise the chiefs did a, i mean the the patriots did a great job curtailing them
1: yeah and i think buffalo's defense i don't the secondary not as strong they don't have a Stephon gilmore the mccourty brothers but the buffalo has a very good secondary their front seven i think is very talented perhaps more talented than the patriots and and josh allen the way he's playing right now Buffalo's offense is better than than New England's offense. And Sean McDermott seems like a, a pretty good coach. That would be a hell of a matchup, Buffalo and Kansas City.
2: I don't think there's any doubt. That's an interesting uh, thought. When we come back, I'll talk more with Jason Whitlock. He's going to hang out with us for a couple more segments, as he usually does, uh, on the Tuesday edition of the program. we got a loaded show for you. We're going to talk with John McClain uh, as well in the second hour to discuss everything that's going on with the Houston Texans, a little bit of a bombshell that he dropped yesterday afternoon. Also, Petros Papadakis will join us in hour three, as he always does. This is the Tuesday edition of the program. This is Outkick,
0: the coverage with Clay Travis. people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros
2: Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on post reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi.
0: Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. dot com slash sports tire dot com the way tire buying should be
2: jason whitlock are you excited as i am that the nfl seems to be going down the major league baseball path and not making the decision like everything feels like football now when i watch the nfl still not perfect you know, there's not enough uh, crowds. You know, the the noise feels different. The crowd shots, like last night, you're sitting around watching Lambeau Field. There's no point in having the Lambeau Leap. Obviously, we all want stadiums to be filled back as soon as possible. But when you actually watch the NFL, I find that it's relatively easy to get lost in the NFL itself, in the games themselves. Are you with me?
1: I would agree. I, I felt like, because I watched the the Chiefs little Monday Night Football special the closest on CBS and and the thing that I noticed and again maybe I missed but I just didn't see any of the social justice commercials yep and I, it was like I'm watching a sporting event and this political stuff's not being jammed down my throat. I think they had a commercial that was pretty good about voting, but it wasn't. There didn't seem to be any partisan message to it. Uh, and and so yeah, I think the NFL is justifiably looking at these NBA ratings and saying we want no part of that. And I think the TV executives, particularly at CBS, Sean McManus, uh, is probably the ballsiest <laughs> guy in sports media. And and I think it, you know, with one of those huge jobs, well, I, I think that they've done an incredible job of trying to tip their hat to the BLM crowd to keep them off their front door while also just minimizing it. And and look, maybe the players have figured it out, too, in terms of like, do we really want to create cause economic suicide? Do we really want to loot, riot, vandalize our own business uh, for Jacob Blake? I I, I just think that would be crazy. And so, yeah, last night uh, that game was really easy to watch without having any of the stupidity jammed down my throat. And you mentioned what I wanted to hit you with, which
2: was Friday night's NBA game. Friday night, the NBA was only competing with Major League Baseball, the Cardinals on the road against the Padres, right? Game three of that series, I think it drew like 2 million, some odd viewers. Otherwise, there's not a lot of sports going on on Friday night. In fact, many people are home. They can't go out to bars and restaurants like they ordinarily would you would think that there would be a huge audience of people looking to be entertained. Whitlock, the NBA had 4.5 million viewers for the finals. That was down nearly 70% off of last year's Game 2 in the NBA Finals. Airing on ABC, it's not like you can blame people not having cable or any of those excuses. And this was the least watched NBA Finals game on record in like 40 years since Magic and Larry came into the league. Most people are not going to talk about it because you know how it works. People on social media are trying to protect the NBA. They won't say a single bad word about it. One of This show is one of the few places you're going to hear uh, us talk about it. You wrote an interesting column at OutKick and said that you think LeBron's legacy is going to be that he basically tore down the league that Magic, Larry, and Michael all left, the NBA that had become very popular Uh, it's pretty wild to see, isn't it?
1: Well, I just think it's going to be hard to call yourself the GOAT if your legacy is, I diminished the league and made it less popular. Yeah, That certainly isn't uh, Michael Jordan's legacy. That wasn't Bill Russell's legacy. It certainly wasn't Magic and Larry Bird's legacy. And, and but my thoughts on LeBron go much bigger than just the NBA. His impact on all of professional sports, because so many of these players look to him as- is the leader and there's been so much bull spit spewed uh in the mainstream sports media and all the debate shows and all the talk of player empowerment and uh you know the the, the players just now have so much power and it's such a great thing for the league and it's just not true that these athletes are young they've been making millions of dollars uh at a very young age they're just i don't blame them i'm just telling you if i were walked off a college campus at age 21 22 someone handed me a seven-figure salary or something close and and if at 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, that's where I thought I was headed, like, man, well, if I just make it age 21, 22, I'm going to be rich. I don't know if I would be the smartest guy on the planet. I don't know if I would understand political issues <clears throat> at a high level. I would probably be a sheep for social media the way LeBron James is. And so many of these guys look up to LeBron James, and he's been guided up by so many people in the media that I don't blame the athletes for looking up to LeBron James and following his lead, but he's taken these guys on a path to hell. And and, and what's what's comical that no one talks about, it's comical, but it's also sad, is... LeBron's going to make his money. It's it's whoever the 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old athletes are. That's who's going to be damaged by this and that's who's not going to make nearly as much money coming into the nba as they thought or what they on the path they were headed on they may end up making less money than lebron james they're certainly going to be in a league that's not as popular domestically as it as it has been and that's on lebron james he's You know, a social media addict. He, the guy. I don't know if you've seen the documentary on Netflix, "The Social Dilemma." Yeah. But man, LeBron James needs to watch that.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, and there are a couple of points that I want to build out of this. Maybe we'll continue it over to start the uh, the second hour of the program. But I think a lot of these NBA guys are not aware that they're going to make fifty percent of their contracted for salaries next season, and and that might be high because they're not going to have crowds. They're going to have trouble, I think, selling many of the tickets for the games that they do have. They're going to play a lot less than 82 games. And I thought a story that didn't get enough attention. And I think she's pretty smart in many ways, Michelle Roberts, who represents the NFL players. Uh, she NBA, NBA, yeah, sorry, players. the NBA players. She evidently got up at this meeting when the players were talking about not uh, not going back and calling off their season uh, in the wake of the Jacob Blake incident. And it made a lot of players uncomfortable. I think, I can't remember who the player was that, uh, what, was it Patrick, Beverley, Patrick I Beverly, I think, yeah, that called Patrick her Beverly. out and said like, hey, you work for me. But she basically got up, my understanding is, and laid it out for the players. She's like, okay, you guys can walk out on the season if you want to, but you understand you're not going to get paid, right? And I think what has happened for a lot of athletes, uh, unfortunately, is social media has disconnected them from the people who actually pay their salaries, right? And many athletes have forgotten what it takes for an average dad and mom family to go to their games and how much money they're spending to be able to go there. And guys like Magic and Larry and Jordan understood they had to build the NBA brand and I think a lot of the younger guys are taking for granted that they're going to make these huge salaries and that the money is always going to be there. And they're not cognizant of where it's coming from. And I think that's a big failure. And I want to kind of unpack that a little bit more with you when we uh, when we continue at the top of the hour. But do you agree with me in many ways that that is one of the things that is most challenging here? Is that a lot of these guys don't really understand the business of where their salary is coming from, and they pay more attention to social media than they do the people who are actually in the stands helping to pay their salaries?
1: I, I would go a step further and and put myself in the same category. I'm just t- when you are in your mid twenties, early thirties, you don't really understand money, yeah, and so if you have. Man, I got ten million in the bank. That feels like, well, hell, I'm good for the rest of my life and I can blow off the next seven million I'm supposed to make next year or whatever. It's just crazy. they're young and they're making so much money. Magic Johnson when I was a kid signed a twenty five year, twenty five million dollar contract. Good money, a million dollars a year. For but he, as good as it was, he knew like no, I needed to protect my value long term. Yep. that's not generational wealth. These guys that are, you know, sixth seventh men in the NBA making ten million, twelve million a year or whatever, I think they think they have fu money because they really don't understand the value of the dollar
2: you can help us have a few money by going and signing up for the outkick vip thousands of you are doing it you get an outkick vip phone line to be able to call the radio show you can comment on all of our articles you can get set up for events as we go forward and life starts to get back to normal uh you can get access to jason whitlock myself our other writers it's a tremendous value 12.99 a month or 99 dollars for the entire year jason whitlock it's a great deal they need to go sign up don't they
1: uh, I- I will say that you won't be supporting us having FU money. You'll be supporting us helping to expand, hire other people, and make OutKick better. That's why you should become an OutKick VIP.
2: There you go. That's more succinct and, uh, and, and more uh, ennobling more, uh, than what I said. Uh, all right. When we come back, we'll continue with Jason Whitlock, top of hour two. It's Whitlock Tuesday. We've got a loaded program for you. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. More on the Monday Night Football situations and what we think of the larger NFL and unpacking the existing sports uh, landscape. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3
0: a.m. Pacific. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart the professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.
2: Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, Parking and all day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
1: is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says,
2: somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you
0: dare. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs)